eyes wet with tears of deep desire and deep loss, veins filled with passion, a mind consumed with the joys of love and the pain of abandonment. All these are inscribed on the memory of a once great princess of the land of Colchis, whose name was Medea. We might think of this miraculous sorceress, the granddaughter of Helios, the sun god, and the high priestess of the dark goddess Hecate, as we think of the moon, like Selene, who, if left without the light of her love, becomes one with the darkness that surrounds her. What forces pass through us? Perhaps in a moment of grief, we become the most willing vessels, allowing darkness to stream through us. Perhaps, as the tragic playwright Euripides once wrote, if the gods want it so, mortals can make mistakes. He was Greek. He was young. He was strong and courageous. He had the strongest of hearts among all. His name was Jason, and he set off from Iolcus in Greece, setting sail with his crew aboard the famed ship Argo to retrieve the Golden Fleece from the far land of Colchis in order to claim his throne. The Fleece was a divine symbol of power and authority, whose origins were steeped in myth. It was said that Chrysomalos, a flying ram with wool of gold, brought the hero Phrixus to Colchis. According to the legend, Phrixus sacrificed the ram to Poseidon, and then hung the ram's shining fleece from a tree to be guarded there by a fearsome serpent. Tasked by his wicked uncle, the tyrant Peleus, to retrieve the fleece in exchange for the throne of Iolcus, Jason believed that this was the time for his glory to shine, and, like so many other Greek heroes, that the gods were by his side. The Argonauts crossed the Mediterranean, sailing deep into the unknown lands of the Black Sea. And the moment he set foot in the kingdom of Colchis, the lord of that land, King Aetes, promised to give Jason what he desired, but only if he completed a set of unbelievable tasks, superhuman feats worthy of great Heracles. It was impossible for a mortal to ever achieve something like what Aetes requested. Jason would have to yoke together two fire-breathing bulls, then plow a field with them, and sow the teeth of a dragon, and finally prevail over phantom warriors who would grow from the soil like plants. Hera and Aphrodite, watching from above, plotted how Jason could succeed, and their eyes fell upon the young and beautiful daughter of King Aetes, the Princess Medea. 
they caused Medea to fall deeply in love with Jason, and she would help him through his impossible tasks. She gave him a magical fireproof balm to shield his body before he yoked together the fire-breathing bulls, and told him to throw a stone at the center of the plowed field, because this would cause all the phantom warriors to panic and start attacking each other rather than him. When Jason had won against all odds, Aetes still refused to surrender the Golden Fleece and instead attempted to burn the Argo and its crew. Medea helped Jason once again and sang the guardian dragon who stood guard over the fleece to sleep with a lullaby so that he could seize his prize and run back to the ship. And Medea joined him and the other Argonauts on board the ship, the two lovers setting sail to Greece together. Medea was enchanted by Jason, and he was mesmerized by her, her mystery and fiery passion, the very breath of her volcanic heart made her the perfect match for a hero. And so Medea chose her own fate for the first time, deciding to leave Colchis and everyone she had known, whom she had ever loved, and to never look back. She was a captive of love, of Eros, and destiny would be her captive now. When her father's fleet pursued her over the sea, she didn't even hesitate to tear her beloved brother's body apart just to delay his pursuit. The gods, it seemed, were on the couple's side. Jason and Medea returned to Iolcus, where his tyrannical uncle Peleus refused to give up his throne to Jason. With another feat of deadly cunning performed at Medea's hands, Peleus met a gruesome end by his own daughters, and the two lovers fled further south into Greece, leaving Iolcus behind. It was in the city of Corinth that they finally settled, and they lived perfectly happy for years, and the fruit of their love was their two children. But the gods' greatest gifts often come at the highest and most heartbreaking price. And now Medea would have to face the cruelest challenge of her life. In time, Jason turned out to be a man devoted above all to his own interest, whose own glory was his true first love. Here in the city of Corinth, he began to pursue Glauke, the beautiful daughter of Corinth's king, Creon, to the point he had proposed marriage to her, and so would establish his power in the royal family of Corinth. At Medea's home, her loyal old nurse stood by it all, watching in sorrow as her lady endured these insults. The marriage has changed, she says, speaking through the pen of the playwright Euripides. Now they're enemies, and their fine love has grown sick. For Jason, leaving his own children and my mistress, 
lies on the wedding bed of royalty. And the nurse goes on, revealing the silent agony of Medea's lost love. She won't eat. She surrenders her body to the pain, wasting away, always in tears, ever since she found out how her husband had dishonored her. To make matters worse, Creon intended to ship Jason's children, Medea's children, away from Corinth to completely erase Jason's past and eliminate any rival to his hoped-for children with the princess. And so Medea, abandoned, alone, full of grief, hated and isolated in the city that had hosted her for the last years, was closing to herself, diving into the abyss of a bitter heart and prepared to devour everything around her in pursuit of revenge. Even her own children began to stir anger in her, reminders of Jason and his betrayal. We can feel her pain as she cries out, Oh, my children, cursed children of a hateful mother, May you die with your father, all his house, may it all perish, and crash down in ruins. While talking to her friends, other women of Corinth, she expressed her bitter disappointment. The man who was everything to me, my own husband, has turned out to be the worst of men. This I know is true, of all things with life and understanding. We women are the most unfortunate. Jason's abandonment was an even deeper wound for the reliance she placed upon him as an immigrant, a stranger, in this Greek land far from her home on the Black Sea. I'm alone. I have no city. I'm being disgraced by my own husband. I was carried off like a trophy from a barbarian land. I have no mother, brother, or any relation to shelter with. In the depths of her grief, Medea would ask the women of Corinth to stay silent and not stand in the way of her vengeance. Later, when Creon, the king, appeared before Medea's house and ordered her and her two children to leave Corinth at once, she begged him, in a show of desperation, to give them one more day to prepare, and he grudgingly accepted. The final blow was about to strike against Medea's already shattered soul, when Jason, once the light in her heart and the father of her children, came to her only to push her further into the abyss. Arrogant in his quest for more power, he seemed to forget how it was only through Medea's help that he had survived the trials in Colchis and won the Golden Fleece. I consider the goddess Aphrodite the only one of gods or mortal men who saved my expedition, he crowed, and he defended his actions as the obvious path to take. What greater fortune could I have found than marrying the daughter of the king? Me, 
an exile. As for my children, I want to raise them in the proper way, one worthy of my house, to have brothers for the children born from you, and make them all the same. But after seeing clearly that Medea's anger was undiminished, he offered help, and Medea proudly refused. I'll accept no assistance from your friends, nor anything from you. Don't make the offer. Gifts from a worthless man have no value. The signs were now against her, and it was clear that the gods had left her side, and Medea was about to choose her own destiny once more. Her mind was once and for all set upon revenge, to prove that dignity, pride, and sacred vows cannot be broken without punishment. She would be an instrument of the gods, who would bring a flood upon mankind to rival the one Deucalion saw that would wipe away the injustices against her. So Medea decided to summon Jason one last time and lied to him that she was satisfied with his decision. But her only wish would be to spare her children and not be cast out from the city. Her plan was simple and effective. The children themselves would come bearing gifts to the royal palace, a finely woven gown and a diadem of twisted gold to give to the Princess Glauke in order to show their love and support. But the gifts were poisoned, and whoever would wear them or even touch them would die in excruciating pain. After that, she was ready to do the unbearable and commit the greatest of all crimes. She would kill her children, Jason's children, with her own hands. Everything from now on went precisely according to her dark design. Ready to set her plan in motion, staring into her children's loving eyes, Medea had one last moment of reversal, speaking to herself through tears. How miserable my will has made me. I raised you, the work I did for you, the cruel hardships, pains of childbirth, all for nothing. And now my dreams have been destroyed. Give me your right hands, children. Come, let your mother kiss them. Oh, these hands, how I love them, and how I love these faces. I wish you happiness, but in another place, where you live now, your father is taking it away. After the gruesome murder of the Princess Glauke and her father Creon, seared alive by her gifts with fiery poison, Medea's children went back home to find their mother transformed into a raging beast, determined to see through her plan. Come, she willed herself, pick up the sword, wretched hand of mine, pick up the sword and don't play the coward. Don't remember now 
how much you loved them, how you gave them life. For this short day, forget they are your children, and mourn them later. Although you killed them, you loved them just the same. And so, Medea picked up her sword, and sacrificed her love, her dreams and tenderness, to birth in blood a world of justice and dignity. When the deed was done, Medea mounted her grandfather Helios's chariot, drawn by twin dragons, and flew away from Corinth, leaving behind a devastated, broken Jason, who was not even allowed to hug his children's cold bodies one last time. He lamented that he had ever become a father at all. And as for Medea, she buried her children and ended her journey in the city of Athens under the protection of an unwary King Aegeus who had previously listened to her heartbreaking story and sworn that she would have his full support, come what may. The great Athenian playwright Euripides, known as the philosopher of the stage, describes and perhaps finds meaning in an act as unspeakable as Medea's, perhaps as the dark instrument of the gods, she had been chosen to punish human ambition and arrogance through the unstoppable passions that reside within the soul. Medea became the deus ex machina of her own life, forging her own destiny with blood and the sword to deliver herself from an impossible snare. In acts of evil, do we mortals close our eyes on purpose to what is right? After all, as Euripides reminds us, if the gods want it so, mortals can make mistakes. <laughs>